0: Welcome to the Bragworthy Culture Podcast, where leaders share how they've created a company so incredible, their employees have to tell their friends about it. And now, here's your host, Jordan Peace. Welcome back to Bragworthy Culture. This is Jordan Peace, your host, and today we're chatting with Shannon Ahrens. Uh, Shannon is a well-being consultant with Sequoia Consulting Group, where she helps leaders at the most innovative tech companies design their well-being strategy. Shannon actually began her career as a child and family therapist, so I want to touch on that. She also spent a number of years supporting LinkedIn's domestic wellness program before becoming a consultant for Sequoia. So Shannon's been all over the well-being space for a number of years, uh, and I'm excited to hear from her. Shannon, welcome to Bragworthy Culture.
1: Thanks, Jordan. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Did I pronounce your last name correctly? I should have
1: checked. You did. I appreciate that. It gets gets mistaken a lot.
0: (laughs) Aaron's got it. Good. Well, first, I guess I'd just love to hear kind of what inspired you to take part in community mental health in the early stages of your career. I'd imagine something personally in your life may have led you down that track, if you don't mind sharing.
1: Yeah, actually. uh, Thanks for the question. Um, So I actually started my college degree in pharmacy. I really wanted to really go down that road, help people with their medical needs. I realized quite quickly through the course of my academics that, you know, you really couldn't help them that closely. You couldn't Mm -hmm. ask them questions, get to know them on a personal level, really understand kind of what led them to need that prescription. Um, And so I really wanted to help them on a more Personal level and really understand them, and so that's when I switched degrees and moved into psychology, and then really enjoyed, you know, working with families and children.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. I totally understand. There's a difference between the help you give indirectly and the help you get to experientially give and, and be a real part of. What What are some? I'm curious, just like after that experience, and then being where you are now, advising companies on the topic of well being. So you've gone from like. One to one, very, very direct, right? So now you're advising people that are in charge of hundreds, if not thousands of of lives and plus their families, right? So what are you taking from those early stages of your career and those learnings and bringing it into your role now as you consult people leaders?
1: Yeah, great question. I think it would be helpful to kind of know how I got into corporate wellness first yeah. and so when I was a child and family therapist, I always loved exercise, working out. And so I was a fitness instructor and a personal trainer all while I was a uh, child and family therapist. You know, I did taught for a couple classes a week. And so when I moved to San Francisco, I decided to really just jump in full time to fitness. And I realized in being a personal trainer, you actually use those therapy skills almost mm. every day uh, in working right. with your clients. And it, and it really helped me strengthen the relationship with my personal training clients and really helped me help them achieve their goals. And so from there, you know, I got connected with LinkedIn's wellness program and what I loved and was attracted to about that was the ability to reach a much larger audience than I could in personal training um, and really help support their wellness. And when I did that, I really fell in love with corporate well being and corporate wellness. And so I think a lot of the skills that I learned in being a mental health therapist, you know, everything about well-being really comes back to mental health Mm. um, and just really comes back to how we're feeling at work, how we're feeling at home. And so I'm using all those skills all of the time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You know, it's something that I've noticed as part of Western society, sometimes I think we're quick to differentiate everything, kind of everything belongs in a column of a spreadsheet. This is mental, this is physical, this is spiritual, this is social, right? But like to your point about helping people work out, there's such a mental and emotional aspect to that because there's some beliefs they had about themselves and what they can accomplish. And there's there's goals, and those goals are steeped in something in their past, and and it's a matter of identity, right? So it, it's all very intertwined. I'd love for you to maybe break down, at, you know, from a corporate standpoint. I've got to think about if I'm a leader of a company, which I happen to be. I've got to think about well-being in all these different facets, right? And we're not using the word health or wellness or happiness. We're using the word well-being. So I want to get kind of specific on what's the breadth of what's in view when we say well-being, right? I've heard it broken down into six facets and eight facets, depending on who you're talking to. But, but when it comes to your actual clients and what they're concerned about addressing, what, is, what are sort of the categories that arise from those conversations?
1: Yeah. So when we talk about well-being at Sequoia, we are looking at four pillars. Okay. Family well-being, financial well-being, Mental well being and physical well being. And so we're working with our clients to really have a holistic program with programming, resources, events, benefits that really cover all of those facets, all of those pillars. Um, and so that's how we talk to clients about well being, that's how we think about it. As you said, there's so many different philosophies out there. I, I do ascribe to, you know, Gallup's philosophy around well-being, and I really um, have been talking a lot about career well-being with clients as well, mm. and just including. How are managers, you know, factoring into employee well-being? How are they, you know, having conversations about growth opportunities with their employees? How is learning and development prioritized at an organization? And so those conversations are are starting to come up a lot more, especially since the pandemic, um, as we talk to clients about well-being.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Just for context for listeners, I know Sequoia well, but others may not. Could you describe maybe Sequoia's client base a little bit? Where, where are most of these companies situated? What size organizations? What verticals? I know some of this, but it'd be great for you to share.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Sequoia Consulting Group is a benefits broker and HR consulting firm. So we partner with mostly high growth tech companies in the space. A lot of our clients, for me, are a lot of them are in the 500 to 2,000 lives space. So you know they're not huge, uh, you know, Microsofts of the world, but they are innovative. They are creative, and they they really want to compete in this space. So it's been a tremendous experience working with our clients.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that you know if you've got a company that's a thousand lives, which is a, a benefits word, but you know a thousand employees for you thinking about family well-being that's more like 3000, right? Because you're thinking about spouses and significant others and children and so forth. So what work are you doing now in the midst of COVID? Kids are at home, some are returning, some are hybrids, and, you know, and, and there's two, maybe two spouses in the home potentially, and they might have different experiences than they did a year ago. That's got to be one of the biggest challenges. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm just imagining your clients are coming to you with questions like, how do we help parents right now? And I'm just curious if you would explore that topic a bit.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that question came up right away at the beginning of the <laughs> pandemic where suddenly employers realized their employees have people in their lives other than just them. Yeah. And so, you know, they you know they were responding pretty quickly and realized pretty quickly they need to support their employees' families if they are going to have happy and productive employees. And so everything from you know schools were closed so how are we going to take care of our children while they're at home and work at the same time. So virtual tutoring solutions were starting to really make buzz. Caregivers who can call in on a Zoom call and babysit from from afar was starting mm-hmm. to be a temporary solution as well or even read a book to those kids. So that was in the early days, that was really something that was asked about a lot. And how can we help us support our employees in that way? I would say now, um, the conversation is still about, you know, employees, families, um, but it's turned a little bit to be more, a bit more rich. So a lot of employees have adapted or found ways to take care of the kids while at home, but now they want to enrich those families, those families Mm. lives a little bit more. They realized, you know, kids, suffered a little bit during the pandemic too. They were not unscathed from this. And so mental health support for children Mm -hmm. is starting to be inquired a lot about. So what in our current benefits suite might help that? And if Not what are some of the vendors out there who are providing solutions for children's mental health support, and then just you know other types of support. Continuing to ask about tutoring, continuing to ask about summer camps, recreational support for kiddos. So it's just uh, starting to branch out to be a little bit more engaged with the children.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes sense, and and to your point about the kids didn't get out unscathed. I mean, I, I have four children. We talked about it before the recording, and my oldest is eight. And, you know, even, even this week and last week, there's been several instances where I've seen her have emotional responses to being in a large group of people. Like she, she's on the swim team. So we're at the swim meet. Right. And, and, and she, you know, like overreacting. And I ask her what's going on and she I'm overwhelmed. There's too many people. I don't know all these people. And that's not her personality at all. She's this wide open extrovert, like talk to anybody type of person. And you just see like the result of being cooped up and kind of being told, don't get close, don't touch, don't engage. And now we're trying to transition into some form of maybe getting away from that, hopefully. And it's hard. It's hard on the kids. And if it's hard on the kids, then the parent's going to be dealing with that and and that's going to, I mean, that's, it just goes into this whole space of like dealing with an entire person, right? As an employee, right? Not just yeah. productivity, not just engagement, but like, this is a human being, right? With people that they love and care about who are also suffering in new and, and varied ways. So that's great. I mean, it's just encouraging to hear so many solutions have arisen you know, and, and probably there's no one solution that's perfect, but if you're you're able as a consultant to offer a breadth of solutions, that, that's, that's fantastic to hear.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll say two things about that. One, I mean, I think it's, you know, I feel for your daughter that, that I can't imagine how hard that is. And, you know, for the, for kids who don't have the words to really explain, like, what they're feeling at that moment they don't understand you know that the last year was isolating they weren't exposed to new experiences and that's why they're feeling anxiety right now and so it's so important that you know we're thinking about that and and we're helping them get through that so I think you know you're you're on it Jordan for for being sensitive to your daughter on that so good work (laughs) (laughs)
0: I'm I'm trying I'm trying <laughs> um, yeah um,
1: and then the other thing I'd say, um, uh, you know, uh, I read a quote earlier that says, you know, behind every stressed out kid is a stressed out parent. Mm-hmm. and so to your point, we really do need to be thinking about you know all of the dynamics and layers here yeah. and you know, if the kids are stressed out, the parents are taking that on, mm-hmm. and therefore they're carrying that to work. and so employers do need to to be aware of this
0: right, right, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's funny like, Sometimes, for me as a parent, what I need is very direct to the problem. Like maybe my child at some point, I'm not sure, might need a counselor, right, to deal with what's happened, right? But at another point in time, she needs her dad or she needs her mom to be involved. And therefore, dad needs to take things off of his plate in order to engage with her, right? And that's the piece I think sometimes gets missed that even if someone were to deliver groceries for me or deliver prescriptions or, or whatever, like one less errand that has to be run is another 30 minutes or an hour to be spent with that child, right? So, I, you know, I would just say adding to the suite of of ideas there, it's like there are other benefits and things that we can add that just simply give time back, you know? <laughs> so,
1: Absolutely. And, and that is yeah. what, self-care is. I think like, you know, modern sort of wellness has kind of confused self-care with Mm self-soothing. And self-care is really what meets our needs right now versus self-soothing, which, you know, might be a quick fix, drinking that glass of wine, having a spa day. But self-care is what's going to give us, you know, kind of what you said, time back um, so that we're avoiding going into places of really stress or burnout so, self care may not be glamorous, like having the groceries delivered or folding that laundry that's been piling up, but it's productive right. and it's going to help us more in the long term than self soothing.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. I wrote that one down. Self care versus self soothing. There's a there's a blog post coming from from that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good stuff. Yeah, I guess just, you know, and, and we can stay in the family well-being lane or or jump, you know, broader, but what are the specific challenges right now? July of 2021, you know, where we're sitting now? Is it is it wrestling your clients wrestling with the hybrid work model or you know, sending people back or not? Or like what's the specific struggle at the moment in this? Big, long, confusing transition that we're making in in the
1: world. Yeah, I really think it is kind of companies dis- deciding how they're going to approach a return to the office mm-hmm. um, strategy. And you know, I don't think any one company has really figured this out. In Sequoia has their benchmarking report, um, and in our most recent one, our twenty twenty one benchmarking report we found that 84% of companies will offer a more flexible schedule allowing for work from home hmm. while only 13% are expected to return to the office fully so we're definitely seeing that employers are thinking they want to be more flexible yeah. and you know this return to what it was before is is less likely the challenge then that comes after that is how to really manage that and and how to communicate that and you know how to make sure it's equitable too mm-hmm. I think when we're first talking about family well-being parents are going to be the ones more likely to work from home possibly because you know they need that flexible scheduling in order to spend time with with kids or pick up from preschool or whatever it may be and what kind of disadvantages might that pose for them if their colleagues who aren't parents are in the office or Right. You know, their colleagues who aren't prioritizing family are in the office all the time. So I think that that needs to be a big consideration for employers.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine not only because it's the right thing to do and we need to support people in these diverse ways, but also just from a business standpoint, strategically, it's going to be hard to recruit and retain if the the freedom that you give your people is far lesser than what your competitors are doing and what they're offering, right? I mean, it's just, it's going to become a point of competition over talent is what flexibility is is given, right? So that's an interesting thing too, right? That uh, I think will push companies into maybe a place that they're uncomfortable, right? Because they just simply kind of feel like, well, we kind of have to, right? (laughs) Or we're going to lose our best people,
1: right? Absolutely, and and it's also you know from a recruiting standpoint too. Like you hear all the time, you know how many moms left the workforce uh, in the last year as a result of, of COVID, and I'm sure it's not just moms. It's you know it's carried over to uh, parents, you know of all genders. Right. Um, but I think that you know they're going to want to reenter the mm-hmm. workforce, and so how are companies positioning themselves to be accommodating, or to be flexible, or to be appealing to these employees who who are probably nervous about it yes. or not sure if this is the right company for me as a parent. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I can attest my, my wife is a full-time mom, homeschooler this past year, works probably three or four times harder than I do. And I think that I work hard and I've learned from her that if I can find moms that I can hire, <laughs> like they are fantastic workers. <laughs> they get more done in an hour a day than most employees get done in eight. It's just because they're just accustomed to the the chaos of having to multitask and just be real super productive. So I, you know, I, I would even encourage leaders out there for your own sake and for theirs, <laughs> find a way to hire. And and find a way to give the flexibility needed and the trust that's obviously needed to get that done. Cause man, what what great employees I've found with mothers in particular.
1: That's so that's so great that, <laughs> that you recognize that, Jordan. And, and I will say, you know, beyond flexibility, employers as they think about return to the workplace um, as as part of their strategy in the coming upcoming months, whatever their timeline is. It's beyond flexibility. It's also just making sure they're providing their employees with the resources mm. to manage whatever decision it is they make. So, thinking about you know, do you have a, a caregiving benefit? Um, you know, do you have something to help them with? You know, finding childcare, and then kind of along with that, for those who are you know maybe had a child during the pandemic, (laughs) I am one of those, that's, that's a big adjustment to suddenly now be going back to the office. And so, you know, there are resources and platforms out there that, that help with the return to work transition and and what that means. Like if I'm a nursing mom and now I'm going back to the office, how do I, what does that mean for me? How do I find the lactation room? And so making sure that they're really communicating Mm. all of the benefits that they have available to them or exploring what benefits can they implement to really help support their parents as well as flexibility. Yeah,
0: uh, one thing I wanted to ask you—I've asked a couple of people this, but you're, you're in the perfect position to know an accurate answer. I think, and I hope the answer is yes. But I'll take the truth, no matter what it is. H- have you seen a shift in executive engagement in the People's Strategy, or to phrase it another way? your point of contact cpo chro benefits manager you know whatever it is do they seem to have greater support from ceos in the last year than they did prior
1: I think it varies company by company. Sure. I would love for my answer to be Blanket, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. It varies company to company. Um, some are just are doing this so fantastic, so well. Um, they're doing it in a really great way. They're communicating in all hands what the benefits are. They're having, you know, global all hands focused on well-being. So some are doing this well. Yeah. Um, others the support's not quite there mm-hmm. and I think they need the tools to really help leverage that support yeah
0: yeah I mean it's I ask because it's it's one of my kind of personal missions for the podcast to begin with is, mm. is to kind of help executives understand these people leaders are if not the most strategic part of your organization like very close to the top in terms of what why you're going to be successful or not in the next five to 10 years. So I just, I'm checking in to see how it's going with executives kind of, you know, waking up to this concept that like, we can't just pay lip service to like, our people are our most valuable asset. Like they actually are and you actually have to invest in them greatly in order in order to win from a business standpoint. So I'm just just checking in. Totally agree. Yeah.
1: <laughs> totally agree. And and you know, it's not it's not just their buy-in, but it's also, you know, their support and being a model of your initiatives as well right. and making sure that they are communicating that they're taking time off to be with their family or, you know, that they're blocking off time to go for a walk or, you know, yeah. do a workout. I think those Types of small things can really make a big difference to you know all of the employees of an organization and having that permission to do the same mm-hmm. for themselves.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I've really been encouraged to, hey, if you're doing something fun with your daughter in the middle of the day, like put it on your calendar for everybody to see. Or if you're taking a vacation, like make sure everybody knows and you know, you're celebrating that, you're celebrating other people taking time and <laughs> You know, it's, you know, you realize when you get into leadership, it's like, oh, I can say whatever I want, but people are just going to do what I do, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) much more than what I say. Um, So I've had to learn, like, I I need to share what I'm actually doing to give help, to give that permission. So that's great advice. So... I, it sounds like some companies, right? And, and I hope mine would be counted in that, that the CEOs in there, the, the support there, the leadership's there, the exampling, if you will, is there. And, and hopefully even the budget has been enhanced, right? To focus on culture benefits and things, but there's always a limit, right? There's always like, a, okay, this is how much money can go into this whole category of, of culture benefits, taking care of our people. I'm curious In your experience, because you know you're privy to kind of a lot of what's going on with the budget in companies, right? I I know behind the scenes, you know, you because you're helping make those decisions. How have budgets changed over the past year, right? Like, what pockets are money coming out of, and what pockets is money going into? You know, assuming that there's not a limitless budget, and I'm asking that to try to understand trends. Like, what's maybe trending out, and what's trending in?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't have hard data on this, but definitely there's been a trend of less investment in on-site you know programming so you know traditionally you know there might have been on-site massage or on-site gyms being on the roadmap or even operating and so there's been less investment and planning towards that, mm-hmm. and so that's freed up quite a big budget to go towards other things. Um, I think one one trend that we found in our Sequoia benchmarking report was that uh, employers were devoting more money towards a well-being stipend, uh, mm-hmm. where traditionally they may have had a gym reimbursement or you know even fitness stipend to you know help you know focus on that aspect of well-being, but. The pandemic really exposed that, you know, not everybody uh, is is prioritizing physical activity to right. meet their well being needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some, you know, having flexibility to use dollars in the way that meets their needs is right. going to be a, a much richer and better benefit for them. So budgets have increased for that, and the money that wasn't was no longer used for on site events was was devoted to that. So yeah. right up your alley, Jordan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it makes perfect sense. And, and also it's exciting. It's exciting to me because I think it lends itself. It lends itself to choice, mm-hmm. right? Which I'm a big proponent of. It's like, hey, we're hiring grownups. Let's act like it, <laughs> you know, and like give them that stipend. And if that stipend's best used for a counselor or it's best used for a counselor for a child or it's best used for, you know, childcare or whatever, uh, that it kind of goes back to what you described as self-care and only that individual employee and their family know the form of self-care that they need.
1: hundred percent. Right? And, and yeah. I will say a little plug for, for you and, and companies that are offering something like you, you know, as I mentioned, we work with a lot of companies who are are smaller um, and as a result, you know, have bootstrapped budgets and bootstrapped mm-hmm. teams. And so to take on multiple vendors or multiple point solutions addressing, you know, a single aspect of well-being is just not feasible uh, from a budget perspective, but it also takes a lot of time to manage these vendors. Um, and so often when I'm consulting with a client, I do recommend, you know, if, hey, if you've got budget uh, and you really want to address well, well-being in, in a flexible way, something right. like a well-being stipend is going to really to really get you there and to really help and, and and meet your employees where they're at. And you have one, one vendor to manage and, and one budget right. to, to think about. Um, and it's just a really great solution.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks. I, I never plug fringe on the show, but if you do it for me, then <laughs> Hey, I'm not going to stop you. Um, <laughs> no, I appreciate that Shannon. Um, yeah. I, I, man, we have talked a while. I, I could talk to you all afternoon. It's a great topic. And uh, you know, I love that your background. I I can see that your heart is in it, which is a big deal, you know, and I'm sure your clients see that too. So really appreciate your time and just the insight. um, And like I said, just the the heart in it as well. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you, Jordan. This was such a pleasure.
0: Yeah, for me too. For me too. And thanks everybody for tuning in to Bragworthy Culture. We will see you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.